I believe there's a hero in all of us. You have great powers, only some of which you have as yet discovered. I'm a superhero, my A real-life superhero. The world needs extraordinary. We will make you a superhero. Are you ready to become the hero? Initiating surprise in three. This two is one. The Real Brian Show. Welcome back. It's The Real Brian Show. Another Wednesday interview. All right. I got to once again go on location to an amazing amazing tea house happy lucky's tea house by the way and chat with george grossman the owner of the house not only hear his story but oh my gosh i got to sample and experience some great tea we have so much to share with you let's rock it Well, I am the real Brian, and thank you for joining me here. So, you know, today on Wednesdays, and and I kind of say Hump Days or Mad Flow Wednesday. I like Mad Flow Wednesday. What do you think about that? Gonna make it good. I'm excited. So I'm here in the studio right now, but I got to go on location and uh, have a little chat, as I mentioned, with George Grossman, the owner of Happy Lucky's Tea House. And uh, we're going to be doing this all live on location and everything like that. So, you know, you're going to hear all this stuff in the background. We'll have some people chatting and hanging out with us. And, of course, sampling tea talking about tea now here's the thing even if you don't drink tea and i've shared this on the show i've had people come to me and say like tea dude (laughs) first of all i love tea it's really good for you but it's interesting because i talked to george about this and i uh, you know there there are three questions or three reasons uh, let's go with that but i ask him kind of like why tea and he has three reasons for that so even if you're not a tea drinker you've got to at least stick around for this interview because it's fascinating for one and two, his, wow, his journey is really cool. And some of the stuff that he shares about, you know, where he was, what he was doing as a professional photographer, moving into the world of tea of all things, and being as successful as he is today. And I remember years ago when somebody was like, oh yeah, tea house, right? That's never going to, that's never going to survive and succeed. And it's exploded. So it's neat. It's a great story. Do stick around. It's going to be a lot of fun. I met George during a tea tasting, by the way, at the grand opening of one of their stores recently and asked him if he wanted to be on The Real Brian Show after hearing a little bit about his story and his passion for tea. And uh, as I mentioned, George is going to be sharing a little bit about his life as an entrepreneur entering into the world of tea and then also share some incredible and fascinating aspects of tea and why you're going to want to drink it. Even if you're not a tea drinker yourself, there are some really compelling reasons to why tea is extremely important to drink. All right, we're going to head to Happy Lucky's Tea House on location. George, welcome to the Road Brian Show. Thanks for joining me. I'm really glad you're here because we finally got to talk tea. Well, welcome to Happy Lucky's. We're glad you're here. <laughs> I appreciate it. So I have a little uh, funny story to share because, you know, you and I have been talking about tea and, you know, why it's so important to drink and, you know, how much the whole essence of drinking tea. And we were with some people after we met last and just hanging out, and we're talking, and they're going, you know, uh, well, actually, I think we had said something along the lines of we're meeting a friend over at Happy Lucky's for tea, and they just kind of went, wait, what? You're doing what? You're going to drink tea with somebody? And I'm thinking, yeah. And so I think they had this idea of, you know, what are you going to drink Lipton for? I don't know what it was, but I got to thinking, I had to stand up for the idea of drinking tea. It's important. There's so many benefits to it. But let me ask you this. Why drink tea? Well... There's lots of reasons. I mean, we have 200 reasons to choose to drink tea. We have over 200 loose leaf teas to choose from. So they're all great reasons. But when I think about our customers and when I talk to them when they come in, there's really about three good reasons why people come in and drink tea. And the first one is exactly your story because it's about connection. People drink teas because it's, it's, it's kind of like who you're drinking tea with, who you're going to take tea with. And it's that ritual of tea, of sharing tea together, which we're going to do in a little bit here. But it's, that's part of it. And that's what you were talking about with your friends. And the second reason that people drink tea is because they're into kind of all things that are tea. 
they're kind of tea connoisseurs, tea geeks, whatever you want to call them. They get they nerd out on tea, but they want to know where did that tea come from? What was the harvest? What was the season? What's the flavor profile? If I steep it a second time or a third time, how does that flavor change? What's the terroir, the history? So they want to know all things that are tea. And the third reason is for health benefits. They, their doctor says they need to get off caffeine or they want to wake up in the morning so they need caffeine, they want to go to bed at night, they got a cold, um, they want to feel better. So there's, they, and one of those three reasons is why someone walks in our door. And it's our job then to figure out which of those reasons and we have 200 choices to try to satisfy that region. And I, that's great. And it, it's funny because, you know, we live in such a, a huge beer community, which a lot of people, that's their thing. That's their, their drink of choice. But, you know, so it's a social thing, kind of like you're talking about. They like to get in some of the microbreweries. They get into that. But it's not necessarily a healthy thing like tea is. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, you can't, I mean, you can't drink alcohol all day. You can't drink coffee yeah. all day, but yeah. you can drink tea all day. Exactly. And you can start with tea in the morning, something different in the midday, something in the afternoon, something in the evening between teas that have caffeine teas that that are uh, herbal they all taste great and you can just move through the day and that's kind of what we do here every day and we have our customers that are doing that and so it's that's what makes tea fun it's great you know i started uh, really drinking tea been about 12 13 years ago now somewhere in there but you know i didn't know much about it i, I knew there was the typical you'd use a lipton and make a nice tea or something i didn't know good tea you know i'd heard of, of some of the other companies that were out there but it was when i was in taiwan about 13 years ago and i was introduced to fresh picked and dried tea leaves from the hills of Taiwan and had a tea ceremony. And I went, oh, wow, I didn't know this is what it was supposed to taste like. <laughs> and then it changed everything. And then I came here and I went, yep, this, yeah. is, this is the yeah. kind of tea I that mean, I remember. Yeah, I mean, my tea journey started, uh, I didn't drink coffee in college. I drank tea. Um, I loved green tea. I loved the flavor. And I didn't know a whole lot about it. And, you know, I realized now I was drinking Chinese green teas. And it wasn't until... My wife and I, we lived in Wyoming, and we would come down to Denver, and we go to the Tattered Cover bookstore um, back in the old days when it was downtown. And um, one day on the third floor was this little guy with this little tea cart, and so I got to sample three teas. And the first was Lapsang Souchong, which is a very smoky black tea from China. And so uh, I bought some of that. It was a fairly large tin, maybe four to six ounces. It was like 12 bucks. And then I had some rooibos for the first time, which is an herbal tea from South Africa. Again, it's about 12 bucks for a nice size tin. And then he leans forward with this little itty bitty glass for the tasting. And he says, this is the Dom Perignon of green tea. <laughs> and it was 25 bucks for this really little wow. tin. But yeah. what it did was after, and we saved it for special occasions and that sort of thing. But what it did was it made me courageous when I went out yeah. to taste yeah. tea. And so everywhere I went, it became kind of like my personal holy grail was to find that tea. So it started having me drink and discovering oolong teas and white teas and teas. Oh, not all green tea comes from China. It comes from where you were in Taiwan and then yeah. in, in Korea, in Japan. They make a little bit in India. And so I tried everything. And then that really opened up my flavor, my palate, my tasting profile, made me become more of a foodie yeah. and wanting to learn more about where these teas come from. And that was the kind of the start of the, of the journey. See, that's incredible. And, I, and you're right. And I, I hear a lot of times people will say, you know, oh, well, green tea is too grassy. And I'll say, well, that's one style that's particular or it could be over brewed or something like that and so you know to be able to to talk about the different areas that they're grown you know that's it's neat because they all have different flavor profiles which is really cool exactly and in brewing tea i mean if someone comes and says i don't like green tea they go well, tell me how you brew it yeah and i and it's like well you know i put the tea in there and i put the boiling water in there and i let it sit for five minutes well no wonder you don't like it I mean, it's each tea has its own brewing instructions and, you know, you need to know when it comes down to brewing, how big your teapot is so that you know how much tea to put in. So typically it's a teaspoon per eight ounces. So if you've got a 20 ounce teapot, you're going to put two and a half teaspoons in. Then you got to know the temperature of your water. So that green tea really wants to be brewed at 170, 180 degrees. You put it in a boiling water, it's like I'm going to steam yeah. my vegetables at really high. And it's going to taste like horrible. Yeah. And, and then how long you're going to steep it. And, you know, that green tea might need a minute. I mean, our Korean teas are, are 20 seconds. Yeah. Yeah, you know, a minute, two minutes, maybe at the most. And so you got to control all those variables to create that perfect cup of tea. 
but there also is no brewing instructions for the perfect cup of tea because of it's all based on taste. Absolutely. Yeah, it was funny because last time we met, you know, we had had one of the white teas. Uh, I don't remember which one it was off the top of my head. Do you remember? Yinzen Silver Needles? Oh, was that the one? Okay. It was, yeah, it was one of those. We, I remember we brewed it for, I think it was 30 seconds and, you know, it was, it was great. It was very, kind of had that, that light flavor, but you said, let's, let's do it a little bit longer. It was very good. And then at one point we left it in there for 15 or 20 minutes or something like that. <laughs> yeah, because we're talking and we're not paying attention to what <laughs> we were, we're doing. Like, oh, oops, that didn't work. <laughs> that didn't it, work no. it was, you know, bitter and it tasted like soap. But you said something that was very interesting is that a lot of times you will overbrew teas to make sure the quality's there because you're looking for the imperfections, which even in that setting, it was, it was bitter. It was tasted kind of like soap, but it didn't taste bad. No. And I've had some teas that you brew for a minute and they taste terrible. Oh, yeah. Low yeah. quality. Yeah. I mean, in, in, a, in a formal setting when they're doing tastings, professional tastings, they're using, they weigh the tea, yeah. three grams. It's uh, boiling water, five minutes. And they're tasting for the imperfections, like you said. But you also have to know what the imperfections are and sure. where the errors might be. And, uh, you know, those professional guys, that's, that's what they do. Yeah. And then they grade it. And, of course, the, the pricing is according, according, of course. Right? Yeah. <laughs> according to the quality. Yes. All right. So we need to Let's go drink your, some your tea. wall of or tea pick and some drink tea. some Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. So one thing I love about being on location is the opportunity to actually see everything, you know, in person experience it and we're going to do a little sense around thing because you know we're the only ones here that can see and taste this stuff so what are we looking at so what we're looking at on your radio dial from left to right <laughs> i feel like a sportscaster <laughs> is a great wall of tea and we have over 200 loose leaf teas as i mentioned but it starts on the left here and it's color coded so we can figure out where we are so we have our white teas with the white labels we have yellow tea we have green tea we have oolong we have black and we have pu'er. And then as we continue moving from the left here, we have our herbal teas. We have our Ayurvedic teas. We have teas, rooibos teas, which I talked about a little earlier. We have a whole chai shelf. We have yerba mate and single herbs. So that is our whole great wall of tea. They're all in little tins. And the cool thing is each tea has a little aroma tin in front of it. And so we can pull out any tea tin and we can open it up and smell the tea. So here's a little tin. See that? And when we smell tea, we want to stick our nose right down in there and smell. This is a rising phoenix from China. Wonderful green tea rolled up into little pellets. Very nice. Great little steepings out of it. We talked about the silver needles. So um, that's over here in the white tea section. And interesting about silver needles and white tea. White tea is the least process of teas. And so, which means it's plucked. It's just the little bud. And uh, which is going to turn into a leaf and they allow it to wilt in the sun and then they dry it and that's it. And it's called white tea because it's got little fuzzies on it. And uh, that's what we drank yesterday or last time. And there you go. You can smell that. And I love that one. Yeah. I have some of that at home even. No, you're a, you're a fan of the white teas. Oh, yeah. And so um, we, we smelled a green tea. But what I want to drink today, and I'm a little biased because it's my personal favorite, is an oolong from Taiwan called Wenchong Baozhong. And oolong teas are partially oxidized. And it can go from anywhere about 20 to 30% oxidation all the way up to about 80%. And it's that partial oxidation that allows, when you steep the tea multiple times, the flavor subtly changes through each steeping. And so I like Wenchong Baozhong because it, it kind of reminds me back to my green tea days because it's the least oxidized tea we have. And as we, I'm not gonna tell us what it tastes like now. We'll tell, talk about flavor. But it's a twisted leaf style. And it's a wonderful tea. And so let's grab this off the wall. And it comes from a higher elevation in Taiwan, which makes it really yummy. Nice. Go find Andy. He's our general manager and, and master blender. And I'm going to get him to brew this for us. All right. Well, while Andy's brewing this up for us, I'm excited, by the way, because you know I love Taiwan teas, too. For some reason, every tea that I've had from Taiwan, I love. Well, it's part of your history, but that's one of the great things about tea. I mean, tea, not only does it have all these flavors that go on in your mouth and intellectually what's happened, but the real cool thing about tea is the emotional connection. Yes. And that was going back to that first reason why people drink tea is that connection. So for you, all Taiwanese teas will taste great because of your emotional connection from where you started in your tea drinking. That's a very good point. And so it's that emotional reaction, which has actually nothing to do with the flavor or anything of the tea. I mean, I could give you really crappy <laughs> Taiwan tea, oh, and you sure, would love it. Sure. But as a test, you out. But yeah, we're not going to do yeah. that. We we have my favorite. So we'll, we'll see. That's good. good. 
That's one. Now, this is interesting because I saw you, Andy, which we'll, we'll have you here talk in a second, but I saw you were pouring the water and then you were also pouring it over the outside of the uh, teapot as well, which t- tell me about that. I know that has some significance as well. Well, mostly to really make sure the vessel's properly warmed and get good heat retention. You know, we spend so much time trying to figure out the optimal brewing temperatures for these teas. And if the vessel's not warmed, it's going to be absorbing all that energy and you won't actually be brewing at that optimal temperature. Gotcha. I love this. This is so. A, so what Andy what Andy's done is he, is he preheated the hot teapot. We put the the leaves in the teapot, and then he brewed them for unknown amount of time. Knowing Andy, it's all based on feel because the he is a master. Master, yeah, absolutely. And uh, and then he decanted into a, a cool little glass pitcher, and he's poured us two cups in little Yixing cups. And uh, actually, why don't we just pull the whole bamboo tray right here? And we'll get to enjoy it. And we got some extra hot water for steeping two and steeping three and that sort of thing. I love this. So now, Andy, you, you're a general manager, but you're also in charge of, of putting together the blends? Or yes. all of the teas or just the blends? or, or? Um, Pretty much the blends. Okay. I, I get to create the blends and have been beginning to dabble with a little bit of flavoring as oh, well. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, so how do you start with that? Because I know you know that you see the blends in the stores, and some people like them and they don't. But you know, here you're getting actual high quality teas and loose leaf teas, but then you're actually putting them together to have, I'm assuming, taste, health benefits, that kind of thing. Yeah, um, there's a lot of different approaches we'll sometimes take to creating a blend. Sometimes it is to kind of address uh, some sort of specific medicinal sort of help for somebody. Usually probably for flavor. Now, I am very driven by the aromas. Um, I will often smell something and be like, oh, that's quite nice, and get another tin and smell them together and kind of spin roll from there. Then you begin tasting, oh, maybe it needs a little something in the body to carry this or bring this aspect of it out. See, okay, so... That's a gift, but I would also say you've done some training with that, you know, whether you've been just kind of self-training, self-taught kind of thing, but, you know, for, for you to be able to say, okay, here's some different smells, and, oh, you know, I think it needs this smell over here, or this smell, I mean, I don't know anybody that can do that. <laughs> I mean, I do that with spices, <laughs> but you know what I mean. It'd be hard for me not to do that. <laughs> See, I, I love that. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. So how did you and, get to that point? Um, I started a little rural shop in Missouri that had about 30 tea blends. Well, the owner there would ask me to blend something, and it turns out a certain ingredient might not be available. And she'd say, well, find something that will uh, do the same thing. And so I would, and be like, oh, Peggy, it tastes a little funny. Uh, Like, well, fix it. (laughs) (laughs) Give me the ingredient. (laughs) Um, So I, I ended up having to reinvent a lot of what we did there. And really a lot of trial and error. They say the difference between a master and a non-master is the master has failed more times than the student has tried. I like that. That's fantastic. I remember that one. <laughs> and I've worked with you how long? And that's the first time I've heard you say that quote. <laughs> You've been holding back on me. Man. Yeah. Okay, so the master has failed more times than the student has ever tried. Yeah. I love that. That's a good quote. Yeah, you, you got to be willing to to risk failure oh yeah well that's the only way it works and you know business tea everything or a frank zappa quote without deviation from the norm progress is not possible i like that frank zappa over tea with an incredible quote about mastery all (laughs) in 30 seconds (laughs) i love it you know what though the normal the normal doesn't work the normal goes nowhere so i appreciate that get out of the norm that's awesome well thanks for sharing that stuff about the blends and the blends are excellent yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of a purist, I have to tell you. But when I do have some of your blends, I mean, they're they're excellent. I've never had a bad blend ever. I am drawn to the pure tea leaf myself as what I drink most often. But I do love being able to create the you know myriad of flavors that are available from herbs and their purpose and intention. They can be more settling for the stomach, or you know, alleviate headache. Or if I overcaffeinate, might help bring things down a little bit. So I have a question too. You have a, a, a one here called, is it the Koala Nasal Care? Is that, that's the name of it, right? Koala Bear's Nasal Care. Koala yeah. Bear's, okay, yes. And, and our neighbor had said he 
Well, first of all, I got him hooked here, which was great. I had had some tea from from here from Happy Lucky's, and he said, "Oh, I didn't know tea could taste like this." So then he came in, and he ended up getting a cold, and he got some of that. And he said, "This stuff works." And so he got us some as a gift, which thankfully I haven't had a cold since. But what's in it? What helps? Well, there's quite a few ingredients in that particular one: Euly- eucalyptus, cloves, mint, lemongrass. All those things are quite nice for you know opening up the sin- sinuses, drying things out. Interesting. And thankfully they taste pretty well together too. I think. Yeah. I think that's cool. Question you should ask Andy is: What was the working title of that tea? <coughs> it's not tea. <laughs> <laughs> It's not tea. It's not tea. That's great. It's yeah. not tea. That would have been a great one. It's actually when you read the when you read the description, it says it's not tea. Oh, nice. It? Because good, it doesn't good. it doesn't have any camellia sinensis in it, yes. which is why it's not tea. Exactly. But it's also meant for your sinuses, so it's it's not tea. <laughs> I love that. Well, These are the things we do when we don't have anything to do. Well, and I appreciate this. You know, you guys got to have fun. Nobody likes a stuffy business or shop or people, you know? I'd like that. I'm glad, I'm glad it made it, though. I would have been disappointed if it just got completely chopped. <laughs> no, it was great. in there from the start. We just had oh. to word it. We, you know, it's marketing. You had to fit it, fit it in. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love it. All right. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for brewing for us and sharing. So uh, we are going to be trying some tea here. Tell me again what we're trying. This is uh, from Taiwan. It's called Wen Chong Bao Zhang. All right. So... And you know I like this, uh, you know, it, it's an oolong. It's an oolong. And I love right. oolong. And, I love Taiwan tea. and so um, if you were here to join us, you'd see it's really, really um, golden in the cup, the liquor. So the brewed tea is called the liquor. And with a little hint of green in it is I would how I describe it, but very yellowish golden color, very clear, bright. And uh, if we go to smell it. That's nice. What's it smell like? Uh, see, I'm, I'm not as well uh, versed in the palate, but it smells almost... Um, Kind of almost smells similar to the milk oolong. A little bit. A little bit, but, but not also, as buttery. Exactly. Not yeah. as buttery. buttery. That's what I was the, looking The milk for. oolong has, has the buttery flavor. Is that what we drank last time? No, no, no. no that's we did, that's we one did of my this. favorite, okay. so, but it yeah. does. Uh, it has yeah. a slight buttery right. smell. Sm- yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. But it's also sweet. Uh, sweet? Okay. Sweet smell, okay. like let's, an after smell. Okay, let's taste it first. Okay. <laughs> and and it, this is a little bit of our technique, is, is I don't tell you what it tastes like. Because part of our training, I mean, this is how we train customers to yeah. trust their taste buds. Sure. Is I don't want to say, oh, this tastes like this, and this is what you should taste. Yeah, because it's an influence. Well, right. And then if, you, if, if they don't taste it, then they don't get it. Gotcha. But we're not yeah. here to prove that we can taste. I'm here to help you feel confident in your own tasting ability. All right. So now, I'm, d- I'm doing that to you, No, I Brian. appreciate that. That's I'm a really good sorry. thing. I'm really sorry. So let me ask you this, too. I couldn't help it. I just had, it's the way I train. I train all our Leafsters. We train I, this I like way. I like being trained. This, this is the so way to do it. it. You know, well, you should be an expert. Then. Before I go any further, though, yeah. is this going to be one of those teas that's going to have a slightly different flavor as it cools down? No are comment. We, are we about to find out? No comment. <laughs> that Korean tea yeah. that I had was fantastic yes. as it got yeah. cooler. This one changes through the steepings. Okay. Well, and I love those, too. Here we go. Here we go. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. So now I'm going to drink it the way we're supposed to with a slurp. Okay. I didn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't slurp because I was being polite. <laughs> and my mom taught me not to slurp. But <laughs> my mom's not here. And, uh, now it's time but, to slurp. But the, now it's time to slurp. So why do we slurp? So we slurp because just like um, in wine, we want to shoot all those little water droplets, flavor droplets, all over the mouth. Okay. Okay. The second, my little second theory is that it's hot, and so you want to cool it down. Yeah, that's true. All right. So <laughs> but this isn't that hot because we 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 cooled it down. So here we're gonna slurp. Hopefully, okay. I won't drool. All right. There you go. That's really good, though. Now, does it change with that little slurp? Even though you did a little one, a little bit, a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. It's going a little more sweeter. Yeah, you're getting a, olive oil yep. over the entire palate, mm-hmm. which is good. And the, the reason I love this tea is because it's very floral to me. Yeah. And, I, yeah. and as, you, as it lingers, like now on your tongue, you're getting a little dryness, a very subtle dryness on the top of your tongue. And to me, I'm getting this whole lingering thing that's kind of like going up in my head that's like oh, this little floral scent. Like I smelled, like I was walking in a forest and I smelled like a single wildflower walking down. And it's like that little mountain flower that I smell. Yeah. And that's what this tea always reminds me of. And I love yeah. the outdoors and I love yeah. backpacking and all that. So I love it because it's that little floral scent. Yeah. But it's not floral like, the, like soap 
smell floral. Sure. Yeah, no, not at all. Not, not at all. Uh-huh. Very good. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what that smell is. Almost like a honeysuckle. Is that kind of mm-hmm. what I'm smelling, maybe? Well, I ha- like you, might, that. you might. There's other teas that are more honeysuckle to me. So I never, if I think yeah. of honeysuckle, I think of like uh, um, our Glenburn Silver Needles. Mm, yeah. has a very sweet honeysuckle sort of flavor to it. And so when I, that one isn't honeysuckle like this one so sure for sure. me that that doesn't work but it could work for you and i'm not sure i've had that one either so that would be i'm holding yeah. back on you <laughs> no this is really good though <laughs> i appreciate this this no it's very good i, I like mm-hmm. i said i don't think i've ever had a tea from taiwan that i haven't liked so definitely one mm-hmm. of my yeah up there yeah no, i love this flavor so when sean just so you know sean means mountain okay so you'll see lots of teas with something sean and that means that's the mountain and so it's the wen mountains oh nice yeah okay so so these so. were in uh, yeah the wen shan mountains in in taiwan uh-huh. where they were grown where it was grown and then it was processed as new long as very lightly oxidized the leaves are almost look like green tea if i didn't tell you you might think that there was a green tea and it brews really light in the cup mm-hmm. and you know, my wife is fond of saying that all roads lead to oolong. <laughs> so that no matter how you came into tea, yeah. whether it was through green tea, black tea, even health benefits and herbal and all that, eventually, if you really want to become that connoisseur, you end up in oolongs. So you, so there's a whole group side of people who say, no, it's all in pu'er. But oh, yeah. I, I, I think I'll stick yeah. with the oolongs. I'll go with the oolong, too. You said this was the least oxidized of all the oolongs. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. that, and, and explain that to you. I, I understand what that means, but just for, for anyone so, that might not. So oxidation is a black tea, which most people are familiar with, is fully oxidized. So when they're processing to make black tea, they're rolling it and they're breaking the cells on the inside of the leaf. And the juices come out, they interact with the oxygen, and it turns the leaves and the juices black. Think of an apple. Mm-hmm. If you cut an apple and you leave it out, what happens? Oxidation. Turns brown. Yep. That's oxidation. Yep. So now if we take that same apple and we put it in an apple pie and we heat it, that apple does not turn brown. It stays nice and white and translucent. So the heating action kills the enzymes that cause oxidation. Interesting. So green tea is a non-oxidized tea. Mm -hmm. So the Chinese and the Japanese do it slightly different. They heat the tea. And that heating action kills the enzymes. So then when they go and shape it and dry it and finish it, it stays green mm-hmm. and it's not oxidized. Okay. So oolong is in the middle. Mm-hmm. So oolong will have, and if we looked at these leaves, you'll see little brown on the edges of the leaf. So it was partially oxidized, but not oxidized all the way. So if we looked at a, full, a more oxidized, it'll be more bits of black or pieces of brown on the leaf and less of the green. So if we took something like um, a Royal Phoenix, a oolong from the Phoenix Mountains of China, and you looked at that leaf, it's going to look real, almost like a black tea. Mm. But when you brew it, the leaves are actually have a lighter hue to it. So they almost look like kind of greenish brown. Interesting. Yeah. And so, it, so the wet leaf is lighter than the dry leaf. So it's confusing, yeah, and so that's sense. releasing different forms, which is why yeah. oolongs are interesting because this is a twisted leaf style, so it's long and kind of twisted leaf. Mm-hmm. Then there's others that are pellet style, so when you brew that pellet style, each steeping, the leaves open up more and more, and you might have a full leaf that was once the size of a pea. Yeah, yeah. And so it's amazing when you think about it that somebody plucked that leaf in a field, they brought it in, they processed it, and rolled it, into a little pellet size of a pea, dried it, came all the way across the ocean, came to Fort Collins, Colorado, and we steeped it multiple times. All of a sudden, you had that exact same leaf that looks just about like it was picked. That, to me, is amazing. Oh, it's amazing. It's a lot I got of goosebumps detail. telling you about it. Maybe I'm just... It's weird. <laughs> no, that's wonderful. Well, and I love the fact that, you know, it's the same part of the plant. It's just... Well, and they talk about what is more oxidized. You get more caffeine. No, we can talk caffeine, too? Oh, you're a caffeine guy. I forgot. Well, yes. no, but let's talk about the myths out there because okay. people say that the more oxidized, like black tea has more caffeine mm-hmm. than a white tea, for example. But then again, they say, well, but you lose the nutrients in your black teas, you know, as opposed. So let's, let's get to the okay, truth Okay, so, so we're going to... Because there's gonna, a bunch of gonna, liars out there. Yeah, there's, there's, there's liars. So, so, first of all, caffeine... Why does a plant have caffeine? I have no idea. It's, it's a great question. It's the plant's defense mechanism. Oh, interesting. I didn't so know that. So okay. when bugs try to eat the plant, it's very bitter. And caffeine yeah. is bitter. Okay? So it's the defense mechanism for the plant. So... 
plants, the tea plant, which if it was left to grow, would actually grow into a tree. But they're pruned to be a bush so that they're easy to pluck. Yeah. That's yeah. about a little over waist high, about two arms length across. So women usually do the plucking like in China. And they can go down the row and in India and they pluck what they're supposed to pluck. So in the winter, the plants go dormant. Okay, just, just like trees. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So in the spring, all that new growth actually has the most caffeine. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So fresh, fresh, fresh. So I'm going to, so if I pick silver needles, which is a spring plucking, Mm -hmm. the first growth of those buds, do you think that has more caffeine than a black tea picked in the fall Mm. after it's gone through a first flush, second flush, autumn flush, monsoon flush, and autumn flush. So the caffeine, but what happens is with black tea, so the answer that the white tea would actually have more caffeine as a spring growth than the autumn flush has in black tea. But what happens is when you brew white tea, you use cooler temperature for a shorter period of time. So the caffeine's water-soluble. So less is actually going to come out than if I have a black tea that I brew with boiling water for maybe four minutes. So more caffeine is going to come out. I think the, the, the fallacy is that because it's the liquor or the color of black tea when you brew it is black or dark brown, uh, or an amber color, really dark. It's like, well, that's closer to coffee. There must be caffeine. It's not the caffeine that's changing the color of the tea. It's the tea leaf. It's the oxidation that's changing the color, not the caffeine content. So you can also yeah. go, so if you also take, um, we, we source a direct source from India in Darjeeling from the Glenburn Tea Estate. So we have their first flush, second flush, monsoon flush, and autumn flush. Same tea plants, four seasons. The teas taste different, they look different, and they have different levels of caffeine. Interesting. That's right. I see, and I didn't and so know that. Cafe, so the caffeine is seasonal. So, if, yeah. so, if, so if there's a company that says this has 35 milligrams of caffeine in it, most likely they're lying because they have to test every batch. <laughs> yeah. They have to test every batch. Interesting. So my general answer for folks is that, that caffeine is less than half of what coffee has. Sure, and coffee sure. can even, you know, if you make an espresso, it's going to have more caffeine than if you do drip coffee and all the other fancy ways we're doing it now. So, so there's different levels of caffeine in coffee, different levels in tea. It's always going to be less than half. And if it had 35 milligrams or if it had 50 milligrams, would you know the difference? Probably, Probably not. not no. Probably not. No. I mean, our bodies are either going to be in tune, because there's all a chemical reaction in there when you're drinking the tea, and your reaction to caffeine is, do I want caffeine or do I not want caffeine? But the thing that tea has that coffee doesn't have, and yerba mate doesn't have, guayusa doesn't have, is it has L-theanine. That's part of the chemical compounds of tea, which regulates that caffeine input. Interesting. So that's why you don't get that crash like you get yeah. with coffee. Yeah. And why people are like, I can't drink coffee, but I can drink tea. Yeah, it's because of the L-theanine. Interesting. And chocolate doesn't have it either. Yeah. So that's the thing that makes tea, from the caffeine standpoint, different than other sources of caffeine. I see, and I didn't know all that. And that's, that's, I'm, I'm really glad you explained that because I've definitely heard different explanations of that that are not the same, but that, I mean, that really does make a lot of sense. I mean, even, even what I know about, uh, some of the coffee sides of things is, you know, crops, seasons, all of that. And of course, you know, we, we live in an area where there are a lot of farmers still. And so you do hear about the, the seasonal aspects and the first crops and the last crops you hear about the differences that those have. And so that actually does make a lot of sense. And I appreciate you explaining. And the L-theanine is, that's, that's really good to know. I didn't even know about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, that's why tea's great because there's always yeah. something to learn and yeah. we're always, you know, testing our palates tasting different teas that we get from potential suppliers and it's it's a constant learning experience we'll never know it all oh sure so how did you get into this passion like this to me is interesting because you know so much about tea but you you didn't just learn it just because i mean you learned it because you dove into it you wanted to learn more about it you got excited about it you know what's uh what's the passion behind all of this and how did this get started tell me a little bit about this journey okay well um while i answer my life story i will pour the water into the teapot for the second steeping. Licks it. There we go. So we're going to steep it, and hopefully we won't forget. Yeah, like no, we I, did I won't time. forget this time. Yeah, I promise I won't. 
So this, yeah. yeah, so that's going to be our strainer when we're ready. Gotcha. Here. I love that. So, so my background is I went to college uh, where I drank green tea, and I went to Babson College back in Massachusetts, and I majored in accounting. And I became a CPA. And then I retired without benefits after getting my CPA for about four years. And I moved to Colorado to be a ski bum up in Breckenridge, Colorado. Yeah. And that's where I met uh, the woman who became my wife, Kari, who's mm-hmm. now uh, part owner of Happy Luckies here, yes. 50-50. And so um, we met uh, being ski photographers. And then we moved to Wyoming, and I started doing wildlife and landscape photography. And that's what I always loved. I loved the outdoors, which is why I moved to Colorado. And I had my accounting background. And I always knew when I was in accounting that I wanted to own my own business. Nice. Like that was, and I, but I just didn't know what, it, what I was going to do. And I kind of think there's kind of two types of people in this world, those that wake up in the morning, they know exactly what they're going to do. <laughs> and the other side is we're eliminators. So mm-hmm. we're going to try a lot of things, and we're going to eliminate. And I'm an yeah. eliminator. And that's more common. That's more common. Because you don't, I mean, you don't know. Yeah. And so I'm an eliminator. So we went to Wyoming, and we started a resort photography business. And um, we did that for a number of years. We sold that to a partner. And then uh, started doing wildlife and landscape full time. And we started at a gallery uh, up in Dubois, Wyoming. And then I wanted to get into wildlife documentaries. So I took some of the money uh, with Kari that we got from selling the business, and I went and I bought a 16-millimeter movie camera. Yes, video did exist, but I still bought a 16-millimeter <laughs> yeah. video camera. Yeah. When I took a week-long workshop on how to use it, and then we took the rest of the money, and we made a wildlife film on prairie falcons. We took it to the Wildlife Film Festival uh, up in Jackson, Wyoming, and the next thing you know, we were working on a wolf film up in Yellowstone. Nice. And then I bought a uh, digital video camera and started doing more. And then as the business progressed, I was doing video documentaries for uh, environmental groups in Wyoming that I would edit down to do build DVDs and they would use them to raise funds for their cause. And I always had kind of a documentary approach to what we were doing. And the interesting thing about photography, and I love the outdoors, I still do, I still yeah, take yeah, pictures, totally. and, but I didn't like the business aspect of it. Mm. Because everybody who had a video camera or a, photo- or a camera thought that they were a photographer. Of course, and they still do. And they still do. <laughs> and, uh, I got a phone, I don't need a you know, professional, right. right? Exactly, I mean, <laughs> and so it's scary on the difference between someone who truly is a professional photographer oh, and anybody that's with a true. camera who thinks they're a photographer. Yeah. And I didn't like the business. It was, it was, it was just wasn't fun after a while. I mean, I loved yeah. the shooting, but I didn't like anything else. I didn't like the marketing. I didn't like the editing. And it just was, eh. So it was, it was a moneymaker, but it wasn't something that was, you know, you well, didn't wake up every morning going, man, I love what I do every day. I think, I think if I could have spent all the time out in the woods shooting, yeah. Uh, and 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 I came back, and everybody else did everything else. I'd probably still be doing it. Interesting, but interesting. I didn't have the infrastructure for that. I didn't sure. have the backing for that. But of course, you know, everybody. There's lots of people out there. There's lots of competition. Oh yeah. And so when we moved down to Fort Collins, I decided not to hang a shingle and start over. And so we. My wife and I had started a nonprofit to support education in Cambodia, an organization called Sustainable Schools International. And so during that time when we were raising money for the organization, we would import silk from Cambodia. Oh, nice. And my wife is a writer, so mm-hmm. she had written a book called Bones to Float, The Story of Adopting Cambodia. Um, it's kind of won a couple international book awards, independent book awards. So we, she would talk in the back, give a talk she would read read from the book talk about our programs we would sell silk sell her book and so when we moved down to fort collins we were like hey let's open a little silk shop wouldn't that be cool yeah <laughs> you know and so and we're sitting across from the silk now so we still have silk but we opened up and we were like everything was too big and so we wanted to find something smaller that would or bigger that could have the silk but would bring people in every day sure. and that's when the idea of let's have a tea shop so, and that's because you drink tea, you like tea. Right. You're just thinking, hey, let's just so open a tea shop. Yeah. So, it's I just mean, kind of a random idea. It's a random idea. Interesting. Exactly. And, and, and so, of course, there's a lot of competition when it comes to food. 
in Fort Collins and right matter a lot but, of but not but not and we had a friend who who had worked at a tea shop uh in oregon he's like there's no proper tea shop and we're like yeah, you know you're right and so then we were like well there is competition but the competition is with grocery stores or online sure but there's no real tea houses yeah. for loose leaf tea here in fort collins yeah. and so at that point it was like okay and because of my business background and that sort of thing it was like okay let's go find a place and I looked, we're in the old firehouse, nice historic building here in Old Town. And I first looked at it and I thought it was too big. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and then, but next door in the other half of the firehouse went a bookstore. And I went down, met the owners, and it was kind of like, hey, this is really cool. I can be next to the bookstore. They've already got established clientele. And, you know, books and tea go together. And so we're like, okay, I think we can make this work. The landlord believed in us um, without a huge track record. And I was willing to sign a contract. And and here we are. Awesome. But when we opened, we had, you know, the half the place was silk, half was tea. The the great wall of tea wasn't so great. It was in the little corner. And after the first winter or first Christmas in 09, came time early 2010 and we're like let's put the tea up front put the silk in the back and that's when the business took off so interesting so interesting the, the town wanted a tea shop not a silk shop yeah it's interesting how customers speak without actually telling you really it's just you know exactly business. yeah exactly. that's amazing and and our but then at that point so like you know my formal education for tea was starting and i took went to specialty tea institute and did some of their training um was going to the world tea expo um every year to taste teas is where I meet my suppliers and and as we continued to grow and and Andy came on board um, about a week after we opened and you know his background was definitely in herbs and blending and mine was around Camellia sinensis and the tea plant and we pull each other in our ways and and now you know he probably knows more than I do and I know more about (laughs) herbs and and it's you know it's a great team and then every leafster we hire you know we're asking them to bring their tasting skills to the fore and to investigate and i empower them to learn as much as they can to taste these practice making their own blends and you know every once in a while they make a blend that ends up on the wall i love it i love it now this is really great i mean and, and i've been i've been coming here for quite some time you know and i'll tell you that whenever i get my loose leaf tea this is where i come but um, it's it's neat to see, but just because the quality is good, first of all, and and you guys have obviously gone through and really, you know, make sure that the teas that you have is excellent, which is awesome. Um, but then also, you know, you you do put a lot of attention into it. All of your uh, leafsters are experts. I mean, I've never had anyone that I've interacted with that ever didn't know what they were talking about. So, <laughs> well, well, thank really you cool. because yeah. it it's. You know, people in town, I got to meet other business owners, and they're amazed at how long our staff stays here. Yeah. I mean, that, Andy's that been here. Something. I mean, Andy's been here since since 09. Um, Joe, who's our product and inventory manager, he was the dishwasher at our grand opening in 09, um, was working somewhere else about two months later, started up, got another guy from, from 2010, others from 2012 and on. And so they've been here for a long time. Yeah when I talk to other businesses, like, how do you do that? And I, and I tell them, I say one thing, I say, I hire good people. Yeah. And that is so hard because I know a lot of business owners and they have the hardest time keeping their employees for a variety of reasons. And you know, these people that I know are not the, the bad bosses kind of thing. You know, it's just, there's, there's various things. You only know, know good bosses, right? Well, <laughs> anymore. Yes. <laughs> I used to know the bad ones. Um, I don't interact with them anymore, but you know, the, you'll find out that it's a wage issue or it's an hours issue or, you know, whatever the case is, but to be able to keep people, especially in a town like Fort Collins that has a high turnover because of the college population, you know, that's saying something. So yeah. And, and the ones that move on, it's, you know, they're going to do what they were meant to do. And so, you know, I had one go to the Peace Corps. I had one go travel around the world. Another one moved to, like, Belize to teach yoga. I've got a guy at Tufts getting his Ph.D. uh, who's, you know, mixing a biology degree with his love of tea. A couple have gone off to get master's degrees. I mean, these these folks were here, but they were also meant to go to live their lives. And and I know that. That's great. And so the people that are here for long term, they're committed because we want to have a career in tea. And others will come and go. But... It doesn't, but we take that time to train. Yeah. And, you know, our, this isn't supposed to be about our training program, but, you know, it's <laughs> sure. 20, 20 steps, but they're drinking all the teas. I mean, their job is to drink every tea on the tea wall and write their tasting notes on it. 
and 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 so whenever we taste you know we always taste in threes and it's always like who's ever working we bring it around and say like what do you taste what do you taste because part of it's learning the vocabulary mm -hmm. and then part of it is learning to trust your taste buds and this is what I'm getting. And if I say, oh, I'm getting a floral note in that, and you can say, okay, so this is kind of what a floral note might taste like. Yeah. So the next time you go, you might be able to differentiate between that floral note and a honeysuckle. Intr the yeah. difference between, yeah, or is it a mix of both? Yeah, so it's, it's, yeah. it's the training. Yeah. So the other thing, and this is a fun thing to do at home. This is where you can home participation. You got it. Is, this is how one of the ways I teach people to especially taste and break down the flavors of vegetables is you steam your vegetables and then drink the water. So if you steam your broccoli, then take a sip of the broccoli water. You steam your asparagus, drink the asparagus water. You steam your spinach, drink a little of the water of the spinach. Do your beans and that sort of thing. And just start t tasting one thing at a time. Yeah. Drink the water. Or if it's, a, if it's a, a vegetable or a fruit, mash it up in your mouth and leave it on the tip of your tongue and just let it sit there. And you almost have to count in your head because you want to swallow right away. Oh, yeah. You're going to count yeah. at least 15 seconds, 20 seconds, swallow it, and then wait another 30 seconds, 45 seconds, and feel the sensation on your tongue and in your mouth. And then it's almost like a meditation because you might have to close your eyes, and, you, and I sit there and I go, this is broccoli, this is broccoli, this is broccoli, these are strawberries, these are strawberries, these are strawberries. And that's how I, one of the techniques I used to teach myself how to taste, because I had to yeah. like forcibly taste it. But if you're like, oh, this tastes like this, well, how do you know? Yeah, that's a good point. And when did you, but the thing is, to me, it's always breaking it down to the base. So how do you break it down to the base so you know what that base is? So when you build it back up, you can taste it. So like Andy will make a blend, and, and I'll be tasting it, and I'll go, we'll start talking about the blend from a more intellectual standpoint, and what are we trying to get to, and what is it trying to do, and where does it fill a, fit a hole on the wall? And you're talking about all the new, new teas, and like, oh, we don't have any of these flavors, so how do we fill that flavor? And then, and then like, if it's not working, because sometimes it does, sometimes it takes a long time to come up with a blend, sometimes we hit a home run right away, but a lot of times we have to work on it, and I'll go, okay, let's take out these two ingredients, I want to taste these separately. Because mm -hmm. I'm not tasting them in the blend, yeah. but my sense memory isn't telling me what those two are individually. So I always want to come down to base, retaste them, and then build it back up. Yeah, that makes sense. And so, I mean, it's, it's a very intellectual process sure. without being overly scientific. Well, which is really good too, because I know a lot of people who, you know, because I've talked about doing tea tastings and coffee tastings and chocolate tastings and that kind of thing too. And people will say, well, I don't even know how to taste that. How do I, how do I learn that? And so that was a good explanation um, because, you know, for example, we, we tasted something from, uh, you know, another third party that you guys were trying out. And I said, oh, that tastes like hibiscus and some kind of a, a tart fruit. I didn't know what it was. Turned out hibiscus and pomegranate. And I went, oh, well, there you go. But it's because I know those you know, I didn't know pomegranate specifically, but I do know hibiscus and, you know, knowing some of those base things, but I didn't even think about doing, you know, like vegetable water, for example, but I do know, you know, for example, I used to uh, just eat blueberries, frozen blueberries, and there was a coffee from Ethiopia that was grown next to blueberry bush, bushes and other things, and you could taste the blueberries in the coffee because I knew that base. So that actually makes so much sense. Right. I mean, it, I mean, it's, and it's, it's, I mean, I'm not formally trained and I'm not, you know, a tea sommelier by any, any means. Sure. But, you know, being a foodie is fun. Oh yeah, and and that's and <laughs> really that is. I mean and that's and that's you know you're talking about chocolate and you talk about spices yeah. and you talk about tea and you talk about the cheeses you know I mean we have this great event in Old Town um, called the Fort Collins Foodie Walk and it's the third Friday of every month and you can walk around to ten businesses or more and have a foodie adventure yes. at every stop and it's you're going to so learn cool. something yes and. And that's what's fun, and that's how you train your palate. So when you're out eating, you're going to eat, hopefully, healthy food, mm -hmm. locally grown as much as you can, and keep healthy. I mean, in the end, it's health. Totally. In yeah. our lives, it's health. Because when you don't have health, either when you just have a cold or you end up in the hospital or something happens, the only thing you want is health. Yeah, so true. how are we going to live these long, productive lives that are going to make a difference in the world without being healthy? Yeah, and that's so, very true. To me, tea is a basis for that. Yeah. In and my it life. tastes good. And it that's tastes good. And it's fun. It. Yes. I mean, and it's I mean, you can geek out all about what season this was and da 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 da. But in the end, it's about it's 
to me, of those three, it's the ritual aspect. Absolutely. It's the connection aspect, the people you meet because you're drinking tea and sharing yeah. tea. Yeah. That's what it's fun. And that's a huge thing. I love that connection and the community aspect. And that's something, you know, you and I talked about this um, last time is you come into Happy Luckies and once in a while you'll see people studying. But most of the time people are interacting. They're hanging out together. They're doing stuff. And, you know, I, I frequently will go to either, you know, uh, Happy Luckies for Tea or whatever or a coffee shop to do work for the focus reason. Um, and it, but you're right about coffee shops. People are usually individually in their screens, tea shop, not as much. So it's very interesting as far as the cultural difference, which I appreciate, the social difference. When we first opened, I didn't want to have Wi-Fi. And we didn't. Yeah. And we sat for a while with an empty store. <laughs> and, yeah. and people, you know, customers would come in and they would get something say, you know, if you had Wi-Fi, I'd stay or I'd come more often. Sure. And so I was worn down. Yeah. And... Yeah. Uh, because you have to be open to the changes you do. and you have to you listen do. to the customers. And so we offered Wi-Fi. But what we do is, is a lot of our regulars, we, you know, we know and we know by name and, you know, they become friends and I can go up to them and say, Hey, I need your table. Can, oh, and, cool. and then I can say like, you know, Hey Dirk, you know, and Elizabeth's over here. Why don't you guys sit together so we got a family of four that wants to come sit at your table. Oh, that's great. And so we'll put people cool together. Yeah. And we've put strangers together like, hey, yeah. I need you guys here. I need your table. Can you mind sitting? And know what happens after about five minutes? Now they're talking to each other. <laughs> Instead of looking at their screen working, yeah. they're talking yeah. to each other. That's great. And that's cool. Or, yeah. you know, we've been sitting here, uh, my wife and I, talking about Sustainable Schools International. You know, we had a board member in with us. And somebody at the next table leans over and goes, well, I didn't mean to be listening in on your conversation, but I have something that would be informational for you. Interesting. And so they start telling me about their organization yeah that's cool. and the work that they're doing the and that's community yes and so ultimately true. you know for a small business to survive is it's about community yeah. it's how how people can get together and meet and get off our devices yeah. and to yeah. and to kind of hang out and be in a place that they love where they can connect with other people and you know we're sitting at the tea bar here but we have a lot of single people come and sit at the tea bar mm-hmm. i mean we're just like the regular bar except there's no alcohol yeah. and but they <laughs> yeah, come i mean if they come and they sit at the bar and they chat with us and if we're drinking something we share with them at the bar i mean the great way, the best way to come learn about tea is come sit at the tea bar <laughs> here and you know you can ask questions you get your tea you ask questions about it and i mean the leafsters are working they're helping customers but if they have a moment they'll talk with you and if they're doing sampling or something like that we'll say hey we're sampling this do you want some oh, I love it's that. the best way to learn well, and then you're getting good feedback and you're bringing, you know, loyal customers. It's, that's neat. That's and then neat. They'll, they'll, you'll take a sip and they'll say, so how does that taste to you? <laughs> Tell me about the floral notes you're getting. Yes. I know what exactly. you're getting. So by exactly. the way, we're having our second, uh, yes, second, second steeping here, second steeping yeah. here. Uh-huh. Um, we went a little longer. I want to mm-hmm. see, what, what, three or four minutes probably? Yeah. You were, you were supposed to pay attention. Well, I was telling and my I life was, story. I let it go a little longer just because I wanted to try it a little longer. Right. I don't like it this long. As much. No, no, no I, still I agree. Like it. I think I think it's a little little long, a little more it's, grassy. Now that it's cooling, does it change flavor? It's a little bit lighter. Yes, it's getting sweeter. Yeah, See, I'm getting some sweetness. I do notice to that it. about a lot of teas is they start right. off with a really intense flare, mm-hmm. and then they kind of, you know, as they get cooler, they get lighter mm-hmm. and sweeter. So yeah, but I like right. that, and it's still really really good. That's what's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, here you go four minutes, which I don't know what the uh, recommended was on this. No, but it's it probably should, it not four. Been half that much. So anyway, this will be interesting to try. So let's let's do a third steeping. All right. Okay. But you also notice how I talked about the leaves. If we look in here, you know, the leaves are getting, they're bigger. I yep. mean, that was still two and a half teaspoons. That's a lot of leaf in there. And uh, and you can see they're still kind of springy. It means they still have some good flavor. So let's do a, let's do a, th- a third steeping. Let me check our water here. All right. As we're having our, our, our third steeping here of this tea scene, and I love how it changes and stuff. But you and I chatted. When we were meeting two weeks ago for team, uh, and I love this because you, you shared a couple things that I thought were tremendous. This is something that you can apply to business. This is something you can apply to life. It really doesn't matter. But I always ask, you know, what's one to three things that you've implemented in your life or with business or whatever that got you to where you're at today? You know, personally with Happy Luckies, set you apart, whatever you want to, you know, share on that. And you shared two of them with me that I thought were fantastic and powerful if you have a third one that's great but at least you know share the two (laughs) well you might have to remind me what i said i have our third steeping here see how i'm delaying i'm thinking about what i said but you know when you have a small business 
and I think a lot about entrepreneurism and social entrepreneurism and how you're going to make a difference. And there's a lot of great causes out there that people do and a lot of great things that, that people, people start with. And to create something that, that when you create something, you know, from nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the tea house here, we didn't follow a model. Yeah. I mean, we didn't, I mean, I took, I went to a lot of tea shops and I took what everyone had and I said, okay, well, I like this, I like this. But then I also pooled like how you treat employees yeah. from other yeah. jobs and other ways that I was treated, both positive and negative. And I wanted to embody all of that into one place. So it's a really an amalgamation of everything. But you can start things off passion. Yeah. And yeah. passion is great. And people and you hear talk that a lot. about you hear that a lot. I mean huge, and, huge. and to me, when somebody says, I have a passion for this yeah. or if I'm interviewing somebody and say, I have a passion for tea and I want to work at Happy Luckies. And if you go down and I think passion is a cliche. And I might be alone on this, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> that's right. But I think passion is a cliche because if you look at the root of passion, it goes down to sacrifice. Hmm. And so if someone says, I'm passionate about tea and I want to work, and I go, what are you willing to sacrifice to work here? Are you willing to work for free? Yeah. And I go, it's not about passion. It's about the grit. It's about the determination that you have to keep doing what you want to doing. Because in the end, you want it to be sustainable. Because passion may not be sustainable. That's true. And That's so true. when you're building a small business, I mean, to me, the pressure that I feel having a small business is for all these people, all these yeah. leavesters who have believed in me to lead this business where it's going to go. That's the pressure I feel. Yeah. yeah. And so what gets me there is not the passion because I'm not willing to sacrifice. I want to make a living. I want my kids to go to college and I want to have a retirement. Do I Absolutely. need to be, do I need to make a ton of money? No. Yeah. I sell yeah. tea. Yeah. Well, still <laughs> in a small town. Yeah. But yeah. it doesn't mean that 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 everyone can't have a nice living. Sure. Okay. Sure. But to get there it takes the grit because the passion will get you will get you started. Mm-hmm. I'll give you that. But in the end it's the grit that's going to take you to the end zone, sure. to the final line. There's another sports quote. Absolutely. Well, no, that, you're <laughs> but right. That's, that, but that to me is what it is. And the passion gets you, you know, to the point where you said, hey, I love tea. And hey, let's start a tea shop. And because of the passion, you wanted to learn more about it. You enjoy the tastings. You enjoy, you know, understanding tea. But you're right about that. The grit keeps you going when the going gets tough, which it does every time. You know, you start a business. It's not easy. Nothing's easy, right? Nothing good is easy. No, no. I mean, there's roadblocks all along the way. Sure. And, and there's going to be... Th- thousands of roadblocks and some are big and some are little some you can uh, hopefully avoid but in the end it's the grit that's going to take you to be successful absolutely and you know for me you know the tea was easy because you know i love tea it's easy for me to talk about tea and that was kind of the personal switch for me in my life because though I love photography, like I couldn't market myself. Sure. I wasn't as excited to talk about the work I was doing, the projects I was on. And I just wasn't as excited to tell people. And I, you know, so I was like, I couldn't even market myself. That's interesting. Okay. But so, here it's totally different. Yeah, I, and I want to, I want to delve into that a little more because I find that a very fascinating thing. Cause you know, like with any business and anything you, any venture you take on, you do have to let people know about it. And that's, you know, just playing out marketing, telling people. So you said that in photography, even though you loved photography and obviously you know you, you said you could go up into the, the basically outside and just take wildlife photography you would you'd be set but what why couldn't you talk about it what was the block there that's a tough question it's a tough that. that is a tough question i paused and i'm taking a sip of the third <laughs> steeping of when which is fantastic by the way i mean you know my life dream would be to retire get a large format camera digital back because you got to take technology a little bit and go out in the woods and take landscape photography yeah. forever along with my little yixing pot of tea and some <laughs> tea and go in the mountains and do, yeah. you know that's that would be great yeah but the marketing of it just didn't excite me it was not fun and it, it wasn't cutthroat it was challenging it was hard yeah it was hard to do it from wyoming so there was a distance thing and it was still at the early days of the internet, which now tells you about how old I am. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, shot the stuff we were shooting on film. And, and so it was pre-digital, but it just didn't work for me. Yeah, and interesting. 
if you know, um, there's that business book where you test for your strengths. Strengths finder. Strengths finder. Yep. So a lot of us have done that here. And so my number one strength is belief. Interesting. Okay. And more about that one. Okay. But belief to me, that answers your question because belief for me, if I believe in it, I can talk about it. Sure. If I don't believe in it, I can't talk about it. I can. And so so you talk about the T's on the wall. Yeah. I go and we had our, our monthly staff leafster staff meeting last night. And so we were taught one of the things we were talking about was the, you know, the belief of the product and what we do to get the right tees on the wall. And so there are tees that are good tees that don't sell that we don't sell anymore. Sure. They were good tees, but they didn't move. And so it's a fight to be on the wall. So I'll meet a new supplier or even a one-off little tea garden and I'll say, okay, we have 200 loose leaf tees. They go, when you get on our wall, you have an equal chance of being sold every day. Hmm. So I have these small suppliers are like, how do you sell so much of our tea? And I go, I go, it's partly education. We talk about it. Sure, it tastes good. But, I go, but it's competing against all of those T's. Yeah. That's all it has to compete against. So the competition is to get on the wall. Yeah, yeah. Because once it's there, you know, and it's I like, you know, and so I have suppliers calling me, we got this new tea. And, and their next question is, do you have space on the wall? If I've trained them well. <laughs> <laughs> do you have space for another Nepali tea? You know, uh-huh. Do you have space for another tea from Uganda? Do you have space from this tea called Yaupan, which is a relative of Yerba Mate and Guayusa? And I'm like, I have space for that tea. Nobody knows about it. Yeah. But let's find a spot for it and let's see if we can make a market. And get people interested in it, but like you said, going back, you believe in it, so people. But follow I believe that. in it. Yeah, they believe in and it. And they so do. They follow that. Right. People but follow I, that. Right. But if I'm, but for me, that's th- so it goes back to strength finder. And uh, it's funny because my dad gave me that book as a gift when we moved from Colorado or from Wyoming to Colorado. Like it was in that transition time back in '07, and he said, "You might find this helpful." Interesting. And so you go and you, you do the test, yeah. and yeah. Uh, and it tells you your five main strengths. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I do that with all the staff or all the key staff. See, that's great though, because then you know how, you know what their strengths are. You get to utilize them. You get to understand how to work with that. Uh huh. That's probably another the, reason. The why funny they thing stick is, around. the funny thing is, my wife, Andy, Joe, Olivia, Sam. They all have one strength in common that I don't have. Interesting. Which one's that? Strategic. Oh, that's, that's important. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that's why as an entrepreneur, it doesn't work. Because my, yeah. my second is analyzer. Like, I love to analyze. Like, sure. I have analysis paralysis sometimes. Yeah. But analyzing. So I analyze everything. Why is this da-da-da-da-da? But yeah. I'm not a strategic planner because I'm like, let's just start. See, that's me. Yeah, I'm the same like, way. Let's, you know, let's just more the start visionary. And, we'll, and, and we'll figure it out. Yes, having we'll a strategic partner is so essential. Right, right. That's great. It, they're in different spots for yeah. each of them, but it's the one commonality that they all have. A lot of them have a lot of overlapping, some overlap with me, yeah. but it was like the one blaring one that was like they have and I don't have. And, and I think one or two have belief. But it's like they're four and five, and that's fantastic. So it's, no, that's it's interesting. I'm glad you do that. Yeah. So let me let me go. Kind of just going back again because I, I really I love this idea though. The idea of belief is you believe in tea, but you didn't. What, what was it about the photography you didn't believe in? Did you? Was it because it was like oh, this is just my thing? It's my hobby, so I don't believe that I can sell. I'm just trying to understand like what was that belief block versus uh, it's obvious for you with tea, you know. And I'm trying to figure that out. You know, George Bernard Shaw had a quote that I used to love as a kid, which was like, make a living at your hobby. Hmm. And so I think ultimately the the photography was a hobby that I was trying to turn into a career. Yeah. And then if you read, um, are you familiar with The Artist's Way? No. Okay. So um, The Artist's Way is really cool. It's a book, but it's also a kind of a methodology for artists to follow their way. Okay. Okay, to follow nice. their path. That's nice. Okay, and it's meant to help you basically unblock. Sure. Th- and find those blocks and everything. And I think for me at that time, I, w- I was younger, I was less confident in myself, and I was less believing that my photography was good, though I had a lot of people tell me my photography was good, and, and probably a little bit more of, there was more self-doubt. Okay. No, that makes in sense. In there. Yeah. And so it wasn't that or this in my life. See, to me, everything I did before opening the tea house led to the creation of the tea house. 
gets back to the idea of being an eliminator. Mm-hmm. So I take things from all the jobs that I had, all the people I worked with, things that I liked and didn't like, and we embodied them here. Interesting. Okay. So yeah. there are lessons learned along the way. So for me, it wasn't like, okay, I'm not going to do that because I don't like this. And now I'm going to do this because I love this. It was like, that was just another step in the path. That was part of the journey. Uh And, you know, part of that journey of photography, you know, allowed my wife and I to spend a lot of time in the back country together, building the foundation of our relationship. Maybe that's what it was all about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to find that lifelong partner Absolutely. who's going to be a part of everything that we're doing. Yeah. And so maybe that's what it was all about. Sure. And the business that's aspect huge. was a smaller piece. Absolutely. And now that's a really good point too. You know, people discount those kind of things. Yeah. And, and so, you know, when, when you have relationships, oh, look, we're talking about relationships. <laughs> I'm a relationship counselor now. But, you know, when you're talking about like, it's like, where's that foundation come yeah, from? Yeah. And it comes from those shared experiences, time together. I mean, I still, th- I am a firm believer. Nature is our greatest teacher. Mm. If you want to learn about yourself and you want to learn who you are and how you fit in this world and how you're going to make a difference in this world, Go walk in the woods. Yeah. Grab yourself some Edward Abbey and Henry David Thoreau, Ralph Waldo Anderson. Go into the woods, read poetry, come back in six weeks, and your life has changed. <laughs> that's yeah. all it takes. That's I, all it takes. Yeah, I know. You I, know? That's, that's Eat a really barks good and point. trees and, and, you know, and live off grubs. Okay, maybe not that. But, yeah, yeah. you know, but, but go to the, 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 to me, the answer to who you are is in nature. Mm-hmm. And it's in a cup of tea. But. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I, I love it. I think it's a great point, too, because I think so much of our lives are spent getting stuck in the created things that we've done, our, our, our buildings, our computers, you know, inside, which, you know, I mean, I hate to say it, I'm more of an indoor guy, but I love getting outside still. I love the nature. You know, I love going up into the mountains and the fact that we live so close, you know, that's just, that's my thing. It's where I go, you know, and days like today, it's perfect, perfect outside. You just want to go outside and just soak in the vitamin D and just be outside, you know? Yes. Well, thank you so much for this tea. This has been First of all, the tea's fantastic, and and just thanks for the time and all, and, and sharing all this great stuff. It's it was so great to hear about the tea and the stuff I've learned, of course, but also really appreciate you sharing, you know, your journey and and some of the insights you've learned over the years as well, which is so fantastic. Well, Brian, thanks for your interest in tea, and oh you know, and it's you know, curiosity is what takes you down the road. Yeah, and it's what keeps you young. It's what keeps you vibrant. It keeps you interested and interesting and different things so that curiosity and having you here and wanting to be interested and allowing me to share my story uh and the story of tea and and all the leafsters and happy luckies it's been an honor man i love going on location like that it's so much fun i think the thing that i really enjoy the most is that you know i get to actually interact in person with these people being in the studio it's great interviewing people on skype it's great i love it i mean the fact that we can even do that is incredible But there is really something special about going and being on location and being in person with that person that you're chatting with and, uh, you know, getting the full experience, not just saying, oh, tea's great, but actually sitting there watching them brew the tea, actually tasting it, sampling it. I mean, it's incredible. It's an amazing thing. So thanks so much for joining us here today. I really had a great time. Please do go to happyluckies.com if you're interested. And if you're ever in the area of Northern Colorado, let me know. We'll go by and have some tea together. It'd be fun. All right, so Friday, I'm excited. Friday, now this is kind of funny. So at uh, Happy Luckies, as we were doing this interview, one of the people that actually works there, his name's Whitney, and uh, he comes up afterwards and he says, man, this is so much fun. I really enjoyed the podcast. It was fun listening to you and and watching this whole thing, and, and I would love to be on your show. And I thought, dude, we should totally do that. So Whitney is going to be joining me this Friday. And I'm excited because we're going to meet up at a coffee shop, and I'm going to grab some of that nitro cold brew coffee while we chat. And we're going to be talking about things like Japan, male modeling, tea, wine, business. And of course, by the way, it's St. Patrick's Day Friday. It's going to be so much fun. Anything goes, join me. Go to realbryanshow.com. Get in contact with me. You know I'd love to hear from you. Have a great day. And I am The Real Brian. Sign it off. The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com.